Welcome to the Audio Conference for Pastors. This episode is an archived broadcast with our host, Bobby Gilstrap. Bobby is a former pastor, church starter, director of missions, and now the lead missionary and executive director for the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Now, let's join Bobby and his guests for this archived edition of the Audio Conference for Pastors. Welcome to our bonus audio conference for pastors on how do you know if questions for church planters. My name is Bobby Gilstrap. I'm the host for today's conference, and today's guest is Sean Vinish. Sean, thank you for joining us, and welcome to our audio conference for pastors. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you today. I, I want us to discuss several questions, uh, and we're going to answer these questions from your perspective, from your church planting journey. And the five questions basically are this. How do you know if you have enough time, money, mo- uh, people, momentum, and community awareness to launch your new church? Uh, basically, we want to find out from the way God's worked in you and in your experience how God has used those areas to help you know when it's the right time to launch a church. But I tell you what, before we answer those questions briefly, Sean, let me get you to tell us a little bit about your church starting journey, and then we'll jump right into the questions. Okay. Oh, that's good. Um, I formally got into church planning about seven, eight years ago is when I began the process. Up until that point, I had been a youth pastor and kind of constantly getting in trouble because I would start things, not really thinking about church plan, but just I would just end up starting things. I mean, all the while having the sense that God is doing something in me just because I always love the process of starting things. And so eventually that led us, uh, that's a long story, but that led us into um, planning a church. So we moved to Tucson, Arizona with a core group, and we um, planted a church kind of in the northwest suburbs. So that was kind of my first introduction into church planning and um, had a great time, had a complete blast. I mean, a lot of the stories that you read, you know, when you first get involved in church planning, uh, you know, how God's going to show up and do this and do that and provide miraculously. I just remember walking into it thinking like, wow, that would be really cool if God would do that. And I'm hoping that I would be one of those kind of guys where I could look back and say, wow, God did this and God did that. And sure enough, I remember, um, you know, cleaning out her savings account, you know, the story, how, you know, most of the stories go loading up everything in the, um, the moving truck and, you know, driving down the road and thinking, okay, I have all my savings in hand. I have no idea how any of this is going to happen, but I'm trusting God. And, um, you know, looking back a couple years later, you know, to realize that we planted a church and it's still going today and just, you know, the, the excitement of just, stepping out in faith like I never have and trusting God. So after we had launched, um, I was actually asked to come on board with the association to be a church planning strategist. And at the time, that was just that was just a great fit for who I was. Because even when we moved there, we, I was thinking, you know, how do I multiply? How do I plan a lot more churches? And this role provided me the opportunity. So I spent the next three and a half or so years being a church planning strategist in the Tucson area and figuring out how do we plant more churches and how do we get more church planners trained and how do I bring more guys in, how do I raise them up. So I did that for a while until we came back to the Midwest um, last year uh, where I took on a role in the state convention of director of next-gen ministries, which is their campus ministry, as well as um, young adult church planning for the Illinois Baptist State Association. And the latest leg is that um, we're actually now – um, jumping back into church planning ourselves. So after all these years, 
of, uh, you know, being association staff and now state convention staff. They were just totally feeling the call, the lead, the burden to actually get back into church planning ourselves. So, so we're actually starting the process of um, getting back into that in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Very good. Now, Sean, I, what I want to do, and let me just make a quick note to our listeners. Uh, both of us are on cell phones. I hear a little crackling from time to time, so if you'll just be patient with us, there may be a little bit of that interference you get sometime with a cell phone. But, Sean, uh, you are at a great position right now to kind of help us, uh, especially new planters, because you, you've been there, you've done that, you've got two or three T-shirts, but you're in the <laughs> process of starting into it again. Uh, you're yeah. walking back into another plant in Vancouver. And, and of course, things are different in, in every context and every setting and every plant, and, and maybe we can unpack that a little bit as we go. But our five questions uh, are to help us to have a sense of are we ready to launch this plant or not. So let's just start with the first one, and we'll walk right through it. And the first one basically is how do you know if you have enough time to launch your new church? Help us out. Okay. Well, that's a that's a great question, and you know, and as I was thinking about that earlier today, I really wish that there was some kind of cookie cutter answer to give because, I mean, based upon the kind of church plant you're doing and the kind of setting, I mean, there's just so many circumstances and so many things that really sway the whole timing of it all. So I think probably the first thing is just to realize where you're at, what kind of church that you're going to plant and what's it going to take to, to get it started. Because, for example, if you're doing something really simple, like a house church, and you're already fully funded doing something else, well, the timing thing is not that big of a deal because you're not, you're not having to raise funds. It's a simple gathering. You're just not putting a lot into it. On the other hand, if you're doing, let's say, a real uh, attractional kind of a church, it's going, to be, you know, it's going to take a lot of technology, a lot of funding, then it's going to take a lot more planning and preparation to get to that point to where you are ready. So I would say if there's any rule of thumb, it would be don't rush it. Uh, you know, unless you have this, this burning sense that this is what God is doing and this is the timing that God is leading you to doing, I think there's, there's the best thing you can do when in doubt is to take your time and be patient. I've seen, you know, so many guys who prematurely planned or yeah, prematurely planted and, you know, a month into it, they're, they were wishing that they could just go back and not plant. And, you know, again, it's like having a baby. You know, once, once the baby's there, you can't just say, oops, you know, we weren't ready and let's, you know, figure out how to get the baby back into the womb kind of thing. So once you plan, once you launch, I mean, it's there, you're out there. So, you know, any caution will be, you know, make sure, I mean, make sure you're ready, um, you know, go through your process, you know, listen to God, you know, see how your team is coming together, see how your finances are coming together, and when you're ready, I think that's when you're going to know that you need a plan. So, you know, if in doubt, I would say wait unless you just have this burning sense that this is what God is doing and the timing that God is having you do this. But I would say on average, I'm sorry, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, if I hear you right, then what you're saying is, is it is far better to be uh, a little later in the process than to be premature, because trying to recover from a premature launch is very, very difficult. Yes, yes, and if you have like aspirations of, you know, you know, 
again, it's hard to forecast is this going to be a large church eventually or not. But if you have aspirations of, you know, growing a church large, then momentum is key, and I know we'll get into that later. But momentum is key, and that means having enough people to kind of have the sense of, of mass. And if you do it too soon and there's nine people at your first service, it's kind of hard from that point on to kind of really build off of that. Because in in my experience, and I've been coaching church planters now for almost 10 years and have done a couple of plants myself, but one one of the things I see in my experience is oftentimes is is guys look at it, and if they launch, and I've seen them launch where they didn't have, like you said, 9 or 10 or 15 or 20, and I've seen them with 300 and more, you know, in our context in Michigan. But those that launch small like that, it's, it's really hard to say we're a new church. Mm-hmm. So long. I mean, if yeah. you've been struggling along for a couple of years because you didn't have a good launch, it's hard to relaunch, have a new relaunch, yeah. and then it's really hard to continue to say, "Hey, we're a new church." If you've actually been been you know treading yeah. water as such for a long time, you don't you don't want that. And that does lead into the momentum question. We'll get into that too in a minute. Uh, let, let's go on to the next question. How, how do you know if you have enough people to launch your new church then? Okay. Well, I would again. It's you know it's based upon your context. It's based upon you know, the model or type of church that you're planting. Again, if you're doing a house church, I mean, it, it could just be you and your wife, and you're just, you're in your neighborhood, you're in your community, you know, you're building relationships with people, and you just kind of begin inviting them into your life, you know, one relationship at a time, one couple at a time. So, again, that's easier because it's just a lot more, it, it, it's, it's simple, it's more organic, and that. But on the other hand, if you are doing something that is more, of, you know, attractional or platform kind of a church. Um, having the right amount of leaders to be able to pull that off, I mean, is crucial because if you, you know, it depends on your level of, you know, complexity of how you're going to do this. I mean, it's really going to determine the number of people it's going to take to pull it off. So you're, if you're thinking of, you know, you're bringing the whole, whole enchilada um, to, your, to your service, whether it's, you know, all various aspects of technology, you know, full-on child care, a full and complete band, and, you know, greeters and everything like that. I mean, you're already talking into dozens and dozens of people that it will take to pull it off. So I would say early on you need to identify what kind of church that, you're, that you are going to plant, what, what it's going to take to pull it off. And, I, again, it's all the timing issue. I wouldn't plant or start or launch unless you have the people power to be able to pull it off. Because the last thing you want to do as a lead planter is on Sunday morning, you know, when you're gearing up for your gathering, to be running around trying to fill all the holes in that, that you know, weren't filled in by the people that you needed. Now, let me make it personal for a minute. You're you're leading up to uh, launching in Vancouver. I mean, that's on down the road a ways, I know. But yeah. at, at this juncture, how do you envision you'll know you have enough people to be able to launch in Vancouver? Okay, that's that's a that's a fair question, and um, you know it's a kind of a conversation I've been having with another church planner who actually lives in Vancouver, and we've been kind of talking about that lately. Like, how much how much do I do now here in the Midwest in preparation versus when I get there? Um, and so that's kind of a tough tension because you know I always say and this is not new with me, I didn't come up with it, but, you know, it's easy to create these great church planning plans that are void of any kind of context or living in the community that you're going to plan. So for me, I want to make sure that I don't, you know, craft this great master plan of how I'm going to plant this church 
that's completely void of, of even having lived there. And it's void of context, a void of really getting to know people. So, but with a kind of a church that we're looking at doing, you know, kind of a, not multi-site, but kind of multi-nucleated, like, I mean, based upon the way the city is laid out and the livable center strategy for the, the city that the city has implemented, you know, we're doing a, we're looking at launching multiple hubs at the same time. So for me, in order to pull off each of those hubs, I already know from the beginning I can't do it all by myself. So I'm going to have to start recruiting and building and finding a team from the get-go. So that, I mean, that's going to be crucial for me to be able to want to start two or three hubs off from the beginning. Okay, and, and that's very unique for some areas. Now, let me pause for a second before we go to the next question and, and get you to give us a little bit more information. Give us your website uh, that, that you've got, because uh, I know you've already put that together uh, for the, the plants in Vancouver as you're moving toward that. But then also give us your blog website. Uh, Sean does a really good job with a, a blog he calls The Urban Loft. Uh, lots of good insight, lots of good thinking on city-type uh, planting and observations, things of that sort. And he just does a good job. I think you need to have that as our listeners. So give us those two websites, and let's jump into question three. Okay. The, the name of the church plan will be the ION Community, and that is www.ioncommunity.org. And then the, the log site is theurbanloft.org. Okay, very good. And I would encourage our listeners to, to plug into that and to follow some of your writings on that. Uh, now, let's look at the third question. How do you know you have enough money to launch your new church? Uh, with the kind of plant you're looking at, this has got to be different than a single location or a house church or whatever. But in your experience, how do you know that you have enough money? Okay, yeah. I mean, again, context is everything. And for me, um, you know, especially going into – to Canada, I mean, because of immigration and visas and all that, I mean, pretty much for me, I'm going to have to have everything raised before I go. So, I mean, so what I did is I, I'm setting or I have set kind of financial markers of what I need to bring in every year, not just salary, but ministry and everything like that. So for me, I have to... I have to raise it all before I even go there because once I'm there, I won't be able to have a work visa for the first couple of years, so I won't be able to work. So what I raise, that's what I get. So it's, that's the good and the bad. Um, you know, it's, it's a little stressful thinking about that, but at the same time, it gives me the freedom that if I, if I do get this, then I'm going to be totally freed up because I know that's one of the tensions that church planners feel, that, you know, they raise funds. Um, they don't quite get what they need, but they still move to the area, and then they have to jump into a part-time job or full-time job. Then all of a sudden they're feeling a lot more divided as to, um, you know, where they really want to be spending their time. So, again, when it comes to the issue of finances, again, it all depends on the kind of church that you want to plant. And, again, the more complex your church is, and I don't mean complex in a negative way, but the more complex, the more the – in a sense, the more bells and whistles that you have, then the more money it's going to take. And if you're if you're wanting to pull off something that's you know high quality and and all that that goes with it, then you know finances is a very important thing. Let me ask you this: as a coach, a mentor of other guys who have been planting, uh, and, and in your own experience, have you seen? Um, I, I don't want to use the word formula. That's what keeps coming into my head. But ha have you seen? Um, uh, an amount or a percentage, I guess, is almost what, what I'm looking for 
that, that a guy needs to make sure he has ahead of time. You have a unique situation going into Canada not being able to have a work visa, but if they're planting within the continental United States, um, they may be receiving some funding through denominational uh, sources. They may have some funding through uh, other things. But what sh what should they be prepared for? Should most planters be ready to to raise some funds and have that you know done ahead of time before they actually land on the field or early in their time on the field? Um, I would say yes. You know, again, depending on if you're already in the area that you're going to plant. Um, versus are you moving across the state, across the city? Um, I, I honestly think in my first plant, I, I definitely downplayed finances. Um, I didn't go in with a, with a good enough strategy on the front end as far as networking widely, raising a lot of funds, um, just so I could have something that would sustain me, um, the church plant, um, and, you know, the longevity of it. Because the reality is the first church that I planted was predominantly a collegiate church. So, you know, if 95% of your, your people who are part of your church are college students, then you know that financially, at least in the beginning, it's not gonna, you're not going to be getting much from the church, so you need to have a plan as far as um, what you have outside of your church that's going to help support. Now, some guys want to work part-time, um, for the connections into the community. And, you know, we've seen a number of guys, whether it's working at Starbucks or, you know, guys with masters, you know, MDivs or DMINs, you know, they're working as crossing guards at an elementary school. But this provides them a little extra money as well as, more importantly, a lot of relational connections in the school area, in the district, and in the neighborhoods. Yeah, money is just always one of those big issues. And I know that we've experienced uh, in, in our context, and guys I've worked with, there, there have been some that most of the time haven't planted with us, but when we've gotten an initial contact and their desire to plant, they feel like that, that the funding should all be provided uh, for them and they ought to be able to come in and just, you know, mm -hmm. take off. Kind of like an established church that is going to provide a full salary package and everything else, they come in and they just become pastor of a church. But it's very yeah. different in the world of church planting. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. And Again, based upon my first experience, I would I would not do that over again. And honestly, I mean, confessional time, I think one of the reasons why I've hesitated jumping back into planting again was simply because of, of raising funds. I mean, because it really is a daunting task, especially when you're you're looking at, like us, we're going to relocate to a city that's very expensive. We need to have it all in place before we even go. But... Um, on the other hand, I would have to say that so far, this has been an incredible experience. It has nothing to do with dollar signs or, or anything like that because what I found is that in this process of not only building financial support but prayer support, all of a sudden I have, you know, right now, and I'm hoping it's going to far exceed this, right now I've, I know I have 70 people that are going to pray for me every single week and you know out of that 70 there are different sunday school classes or small groups or prayer groups that are part of churches that are getting together to pray for us and that's something that i wish i would have had the first time 
So it's more than just, you know, getting the funding in place. I mean, yeah, that's part of it, but it's almost, it's like inviting other people who are part of your, your ministry and they catch the vision, but all of a sudden they care about you as a person, they care about your ministry, and now all of a sudden they're talking about, well, we'd like to come up and serve in Vancouver. When are the Olympics? We want to come up and help. How can we serve? How can we help? And, and I'm thinking, like, why didn't I do this before? This is, this is fun. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think the money issue of raising support, uh, it scares a lot of guys uh, that, that, you know, God's moving in their heart to do that, but that, that is a, a real hindrance for them. Okay, let's move on to the, the fourth question we alluded to a while ago on momentum. How do you know in a church plant if you have enough momentum to launch that new church? Okay. And again, I would say that would be the combination of the first couple of factors that we had talked about. Um, you know, timing plus resources plus people is, you know, I think you're going to know from that point kind of a good litmus test of what your momentum is. Because, again, depending on the, the kind of church you're doing or, or the model, um, if it's something that's going to take a lot of funding, you're going to need to have that funding in place. You're going to need to have the, that team of people in place. And I think the momentum is kind of more of a feeling thing rather than, um, you know, a set date on the calendar. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, talk out there as far as, you know, along with the idea of momentum, the time of the year to plant, you know, because Rick Warren planted on Easter, a lot of guys think they need to plant on Easter, which in some contexts that's the worst time to plant. Like, you know, that's what we ended up doing in Arizona when it was our first plant. We planted the church. Six weeks later, it was summer, and, the, and, you know, summer in Tucson is hot and it's long, and so it's like a ghost town. So, yeah, we planned it on Easter, and then summer hit, and everyone's in San Diego at the beach, and <laughs> that was hard. So as far as your momentum, you know, again, making sure you have the finances in place, your people in place, um, you're, you're listening to God, and also tapping into the rhythms of your community. So, you know, whether that's the the beginning of the school year to kind of capture that energy that's going on, or maybe after the Christmas break of capturing the energy of kind of starting things up again in January. Let me ask you this. Are there some things in the environment around you as a planter that you have a sense of that lets you know the momentum's there? This is happening. Uh, I know there's some measurable things. I mean, you look at money, you look at the number of yeah. people. I, I know there's some measurable things, but is is there something that just helps you have a sense this is happening? I would say that somehow, and it's hard to define, but you're, you get the sense that your team knows and your team is ready. Um, again, that goes to the whole timing thing because if you launch – you know, prematurely, maybe your team isn't ready and they're not fully, they've not fully, you know, captured your vision and and things aren't ready. But on the other hand, if you wait even too long or maybe you're not, you know, keeping the momentum going with your team, then they just kind of lose interest. You know, they maybe they've heard you talking about launching and it's been 28 months and finally they start checking out because, you know, you never did launch. So, I mean, it's, it's not a hard, fast rule, but, you know, I think you can gauge with the excitement level with their with your group. Very good. Now, let, let's come to the last one, and that is about community awareness. 
Yeah. Uh, it's really kind of hard to lost a church if the lost community, those who are around you, those you know that you're called to push back the lostness, if they don't know you're there, uh, they're not going to come. I mean, they're just not going to show up, even in a house church, if people in the community don't know, I mean, the different types of churches. So, so how do you know you have enough community awareness to launch that new church? That's a yeah, that's a great question, and um, I think that's hard. I think that's probably one of the hardest things for church planners to get their minds around. I think sometimes we think we can just put up uh, an A-frame sign, you know, a couple hours before we meet. Then all of a sudden, thousands of people are going to drive by, see our you know great-looking sign with our new cool logo that we just spent a thousand dollars on, and you know everyone's just going to flock to our worship service, but. I mean, you know, most often that's that's not the case and that's not going to happen. So, you know, like you said, you do need to create the sense of a community awareness. And, um, you know, even even when you haven't launched and you're working up to that, you know, to be able to answer that question, you know, for, I think it came out of the externally focused church book that would say, you know, if, you're, if your church were to disappear, would anybody even know outside of those who are part of your core group or launch team? And the fun thing about that is there are so many creative ways where you can engage in your community um, that, in a sense, are, are directly involved, directly connected with your church plan, and maybe not so. Um, I think more and more I'm seeing church planters on various levels become involved in community transformation issues or projects. And basically what that is is they're saying, yes, we're here to see this community transform spiritually, but also we have a responsibility to see the community transform holistically. Um, you know, that means because your church plan is there, things ought to change. And I think maybe we're redefining how we define success, because I think it's easy to define success as, you know, do we have X number of people sitting in our worship services? And I think rather the question should be, is this community different because we're here? And that's one of the questions that you can tackle and become involved in even before you launch. Now, for different people, you know, based upon their background, I mean, that could look like a different things. Um, you know, maybe your approach is you're going to start a nonprofit organization, and through that, you're going to be able to bring some kind of tangible benefit to the city, to your neighborhood, to your community. And because of that, you're going to be – you're networking wildly, widely, rubbing shoulders with a lot of people, then all of a sudden when it comes time to plant, you have this huge network of people who already know you, have already connected with you, they see that you're bringing value to the community. And I think a lot of times people are interested in that kind of a spirituality. Like, wow, they're, they're not just getting together to sing songs and learn about Jesus. They're, they're actually people who are out in the community. And I know in Tucson, one of our church planners um, – I think he was featured at the the last um, Southern Baptist Convention. I think he was um, Ben Barfield of Common Ground Church in um, Arizona, in Saurita, which is just south of Tucson. You know, from the beginning, their goal was um, they're in the neighborhood or match playing community called Rancho Sarita. And so, from the beginning, their motto was, "We are here to make Rancho Sarita a better place." And because of that, they got involved in the school. They partnered with the elementary school. Um, and I remember at one point they had a, uh, a staff meeting with the elementary or the kindergarten teachers of the elementary school, and the question was, we need to get this project done, and we don't know where to go. Well, who do we go to? And 
you know, everyone together said, well, let's just, let's ask Common Ground Church because we know that that church is there for us. And so they had already built this great partnership. And so when it came time to launch, the whole community knew that Common Ground was there. The whole community knew that Common Ground was there to make Rancho Sarita a better place. Yeah, what a great testimony for a church to be known that way. I know one of our churches in the community here, one of the areas I work with, uh, the city has literally called them now several times asking them to help with things like that. And that's just a, a great testimony uh, for a new church in a community without any question. Well, yes. let's do this, Sean, as we wrap up. We're about out of time. But but I want to ask you just kind of in closing, uh, if you'll give our listeners kind of a final word to encourage them on their church planting journey. You've been at this. You're somewhat uh, in the eyes of most a veteran. Uh, what what would you say to guys that are evaluating or early in that process uh, leading up to launching a church? I would say, I mean, I'm not quite, not even close to the veteran you are, but I think one thing that just keeps um, getting pounded in my own thinking uh, when it comes to church planning, and I'm trying to apply this approach now, is not to downplay the work of God and not to downplay um, my walk with him, how I'm listening to him, how I'm nurturing that relationship with him. Because I, I think for many, when it comes to church planning, if you don't watch it, it just it just becomes about style, methods, techniques, technology, and you just kind of lose track and you lose heart of where the real power is. I mean, yes, God, you know, does work through all these things, and, and he has and he always will, but I think it's easy to substitute, you know, all these things for the fact that God is working and the, the fact that God is the one that transforms lives. And I, you know, that's something that's just born and been kind of burned deep within me um, as I think about planting again is that I just, I mean, yeah, techniques are great. Strategy is great, but I just want, I just want God to do something. I mean, I know he can use all these things and he does use it, but I just, I want to make sure that my walk with God is right. And not too long ago, I heard this uh, quote from uh, Darren Patrick of The Journey in St. Louis, and he talked about, um, you know, I don't know if this was the leading cause of church plant failure, but really one of the leading failures of church planters had to do with emotional and spiritual unhealth. You know, it's not techniques. It's not whatever. It's just, you know, they didn't take time to nurture their walk with God and to, to nurture a lifestyle that's sustainable. What a great well, word. That's a great word of encouragement. And I thank you for that, Sean. We, we just appreciate your time uh, and sharing your expertise. Our, our prayer is that God uh, will take what's happened in your life, your ministry, and that that will be a blessing now to others who are encouraged by your testimony today. And listeners, for more ideas and encouragement, be sure to listen to some of the other recordings in the series that we're doing uh, for the church planters. Uh, and we just want to encourage you to listen to the others as well. So we're going to close this conference and uh, for our audio conference ministry, uh, particularly this bonus edition for church planters. I'm Bobby Gilstrap, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the audio conference for pastors. Listen to future episodes by visiting audioconferenceforpastors.com or by subscribing on iTunes. An archive of past episodes is also available. Join us next time as we continue to develop leaders to their God-given capacity on the Audio Conference for Pastors.